Hi everyone, welcome to the uh, Vineyard Church Cardiff podcast. Today, James is concluding our series, Devoted, uh, looking at the book of Acts, chapter 4, and he's speaking today on being devoted to Jesus' mission. Today we're finishing our series called Devoted. This is the third part, Devoted to Jesus. We've looked at Devoted to His People, and today we're looking at Devoted to His Mission. We have been immersed in Acts 4, love Acts 4, love the book of Acts, and um, we've been letting the words of scripture marinate our hearts. It was Ian, uh, our pastor from the the north side, it was like the marinade, and I was like, I love that picture, that you you let meat marinade in the spices, and in the same way, way, we're called to marinade in the scriptures, and often during preaching series, you kind of rattle through bit by bit by bit. But actually, we've been stuck in Acts 4 and we're staying there because there's some key DNA for the church as we enter this next season, as we begin to come out of this season of COVID. There's some DNA of the early church that I want our church to capture and to sit in and to be like, what, is it, what would that look like in our community? Acts 4 is reminding us who God has called us to be, devoted to Jesus. So just to go back to give you a tiny recap, we looked at letting Jesus' name be above every name. And this picture of the cornerstone, that Jesus is the cornerstone and that he takes the weight of the building. And in the same way, we're called to build our lives around him. He is the cornerstone that was rejected. And then we started last week, I spoke about being devoted to his people and moving from consuming to contending that in this life, in this Western culture that we live in, it's about consuming. It's about me, me, me. What can I get? But in this moment, when we move to consuming to contending, we're saying, God, what is it that you want to do? It takes our eyes off ourselves and says, Lord, break in. You have got to move. And that the, the outworking is with the people of God and just gave the image of what is it that we're bringing to community rather than what is it that we're getting for community. Today we're looking at Jesus's mission, devoted to his mission. So just coming back to this idea of being devoted, being devoted means at its heart placing somebody else's needs above your own. So the opposite of consuming is to be devoted. So what do we mean when we say we're called to be devoted to his mission? Because this word mission can evoke loads of different emotions, can't it? It's like, oh, mission. Can, it can feel like it jars for some people. I'm just thinking through some of the different uses. Mission Impossible? Well, oh yeah, I, I love Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise jumping out of various fast-moving um, vehicles and the plot's getting more and more improbable as you go through. through. I love it. But there's a mission to be accomplished. There's something to be done and completed. Or maybe you think of a mission statement. It's been um, more cool over the last kind of five, 10 years that companies have a mission statement where they say, well, this is who we are. This is what we're devoted to. This is how we're going to spend our time and our money. What about missionary as a word? How do you feel about that? What, What images does this word missionary conjure up in your mind? All the way from socks and sandals on one side, well, that's the, the missionary that, to a life of poverty. Or actually, maybe you know somebody um, and have known them for years who is a deeply inspiring person that God has called them to move to a particular place. And you look at their life and you see the call of God and you're like, wow, I think about that word. That word is so amazing. How would you feel if I was to say to you, you're a missionary? Like, whoa, whoa, easy. (laughs) Don't put that on me. But actually, as we look at this idea that Jesus has called us to a mission, 
that we are missionaries. So a good starting place is to begin with, well, what is this mission that Jesus has called us to? Background to the passage that we're in, we're going to be looking at verses 12, Acts 4, 12 to 21. So grab that in your Bibles. Acts 3, credible healing, man lame from birth has started walking. He's jumping and praising God in the temple. The community starts coming out to see what's happened. People are coming to faith. Peter's got up to preach. The, the Jewish community at the time doesn't know what to do with Peter and John. They're like, Peter, shut up, shut up, shut up. The only way they can shut him up is to put him in prison. And then he gets released. But what we see, so we're going to pick up, up in verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who'd been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So this guy who hasn't been able to walk, he's literally standing next to them. So it's like, oh, it's very difficult to come against. Oh no, it didn't happen in the name of Jesus. This guy hasn't actually been healed. He's, he's standing next to them. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. That feels like an understatement, doesn't it? A notable sign. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you? Or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. What you see in this passage is this compulsion from Peter and John to tell people about Jesus. They're like, we can't help it, despite being threatened despite being put in prison, despite being ordered not to speak about anyone in the name of Jesus, there is only one thing that we're going to ask you not to do, speak about him. They would not shut up. There was nothing the authorities could do to silence them and they could not find a way to punish them that would stop them. It's like, isn't that crazy? Like we tried putting you, we can't find a way to stop them. They are so convinced that this is Jesus and the power of his name. Peter says we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard, because there is no other name under heaven. A lot of people say, do you know what? There's loads of things that I like about Jesus. I, I love the stuff about grace. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's beautiful. I love the stuff about the love of God. I, I love the hope for the future. I love the way in which Christianity gives you a framework for understanding things. I, I like all of these things. There's, there's one part I have never liked. The one part that troubles me is this missionary part, this, this idea of mission. The one that says there's no other way to be saved. If you could just get rid of that part, then I'd really like this Christianity. That's just the one part I want to get rid of. There's a massive problem with that because you see, when you just take that one part and you try and take it out, do you know what it is? It's the heart. It's like trying to take the heart out of the body. To just take this mission part, this missionary part out, is to take the heart out of our body. It is the part that makes everything else work. You pull out the heart and all the other parts extend from it. 
all the other parts flow out from it. You take out the heart of something and everything falls apart. And so I just want to show you by looking at this passage, if you take the mission out of Christianity, if you take out the missionary part, if you take out this idea that we must speak about what we've seen and heard, because there is no other name through which we can be saved, Christianity falls apart because the heart of Christianity is called the message of the gospel. Do you see verse 20 says, for we cannot help speaking about what, what we have seen and heard. Peter doesn't say we can't help speaking about these wonderful principles of living. He says, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Christianity is first of all, this proclamation that Jesus is Lord. Yes, of course, Christianity is full of principles about how to find love and how to deal with worry and how to get along with other people, but they're based on events, the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Christianity is first a proclamation of good news. Jesus is Lord. It starts, you know, the incarnation, Jesus coming to earth, being a baby, living amongst us, through to the crucifixion where Jesus dies on the cross, where the Son of God dies on the cross. This was not a normal death, the earthquake, the darkness at noon. It was a cosmic event. The wrath of God was being poured out on him. And as he stretched out his arms on the cross and he took our sin and shame upon him, he was taking our punishment. He was taking our sin upon himself. And then you have the resurrection in which Jesus is raised from the dead. He's not just resuscitated, but raised and translated into a new realm. So he's a living saviour now. These things not his teachings actually save us. The gospel literally is always the announcement of something that has been done for you. The Greek word for gospel, which was used in the New Testament, was a word that had a very specific meaning before it was picked up. The word means good news, but not just good news in general. The word gospel meant the announcement of some great event that would bring great news to everyone and would change their lives. A herald brought good news, a runner or a messenger. Good news is never, here's something to be done. Good news is always, something has been done. Good news is never, you have to save yourself. Good news is always, you've been saved. It's done for you. Something has happened in history. Good news does not come with teaching. He comes with himself. The way C.S. Lewis put it, Jesus Christ has opened a cleft, cleft in the pitless walls of the universe and he's brought the life of God into our midst and he bids us come inside. That transforms, that's not a philosophy, it's a proclamation. Can you see the gospel is a proclamation? I can remember about six or seven years ago, I was down on City Road and I was sitting in a cafe just out the back of this cafe with a friend. And there was a guy that came up to me um, who I later found out was from Iran and he just started talking to me. And conversation, you know, just started move, moving on. And he started talking to me about Jesus. He, started, he literally started talking to me about the good news of Jesus on City Road in an area where I wouldn't have particularly expected somebody to be talking to me about Jesus. He was proclaiming the good news as I sat there. And in time I was like, oh, I'm actually a pastor. I actually lead a church. And he started to tell me his story of coming to faith. And he'd had a dream where Jesus had turned up to him in a dream and it had completely changed my, his life. And he'd had to flee because of persecution. And he was there telling me his story and telling me the good news 
about Jesus. And I can remember just that moment of being like, you have given everything for this. There are people in our community as well right now at the moment who have come from other countries to escape persecution and they have given their lives for this. The good news of the kingdom is that, that this message has been told to them and they've responded and they've given their lives to Jesus and it's cost them everything that they know. They've had to escape, they've had to leave the country in order to come and be with us. And we have people in our community right now that that is their story. They have given everything for the good news. So the easy thing is sometimes we can kind of downplay this message and think that it's not that good. But actually, it's the most beautiful thing. So if you believe the gospel's good news, if you see it as a proclamation, then you're a missionary to deliver good news. He saved us. He's rescued us. He's redeemed us. He's restored us. He's renewed us. In fact, God is restoring all things. But it doesn't stop there just with this, this tiny message here. It's actually wider than this because we're being invited into a bigger story. We've got the gospel, which is the good news. But then it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. So it's, it, it's wider. This gospel, this good news is that we get to be a part of the kingdom of God. And the invitation for all people is a life in his kingdom where he is the king. He's the king of this kingdom. Because sometimes this language of kingdom we don't use very often now, nowadays. But at the heart of it is he's the king. He's in charge and we become a part of his kingdom. Before we come to Jesus, we're not a part of that kingdom. When we come into the king, when we come unto his lordship, this proclamation that he is Lord, we are now a part of his kingdom. We are working together. And that our life as missionaries, as people on mission, is we live to extend his kingdom, God's kingdom. Our mission is to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and to extend his kingdom by following him, to live like Jesus that we've been talking about over this last year. Jesus began his ministry with this declaration and it kind of sums it up in Mark 1.15. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You've got both sides of it. You've got the proclamation moment and you've got this extending the kingdom, entering this kingdom. Put simply, the gospel is the news that through the life, death and resurrection of King Jesus, the kingdom of God and God's new creation has broken in and all things are being made new. Let's put it even more simply because you're like, well, that was simple, but let's, let's, let's redefine it even simpler. Redeem lives, renewed cities and restored creation. So that's the mission because we've got to start with, well, what's the mission? What is Jesus talking about? What are we being invited to? Devoted to his mission, devoted to what? Devoted to proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and devoted to extending his kingdom. So that's mission. A mission that Peter and John gave their lives for. I love what it says in verse 13, coming back into this passage in Acts. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I think a question that we have to ask ourselves is what is it that stops us from being devoted to his mission? Because you might sit there and go, yeah, James, I absolutely agree with you. Jesus is Lord extending his kingdom. But is there anything that ever gets in the way of that? And what is it? Before I answer that, I want to tell you about the incredible joy of seeing people come to know Jesus. When I was 21, I needed some money. So 
I offered my body for medical testing, which uh, paid really well, if I'm honest. I got £1,500 for being bee stung 36 times to see how I reacted to different drugs. Anyway, they fed me really well. But while I was in this medical unit in Nottingham, I met an older lady who started talking to me just about faith. Uh, she had a faith and she found out that, you know, I had a faith as well and we, and we started talking. But she started talking about her son who she was deeply, deeply worried about and who was just miles away from God. She was like, he doesn't have a relationship with God. I'm praying for him. I'm desperate for him to come to know the Lord. Anyway, we, we were chatting and I was in this unit for a couple of weeks. And so she ended up taking my contact details. Uh, there was this Bible and she asked me to write my name and number in the Bible. So I wrote my name and number in the Bible that she then gave to her son. Anyway, a couple of months later, I ended up getting a phone call from her son who had had an awful, awful experience. So he'd been on a night out and he'd had a few beers, a few too many beers, and he'd ended up falling down a manhole cover. As he was coming back from town, he'd have, and, he, and he'd got stuck in this, this place under the manhole. He'd got stuck there pretty much all night and had been absolutely terrified. This had shaken, this had completely rocked his life. He'd also really hurt himself in the process, made him question everything. So I get a phone call out of the blue from this guy who just rings me up and just wants to meet up. So I walked around the University Lake in Nottingham. He explained this story and we just started talking about God. Just started about, you know, this proclamation that Jesus is Lord and that we're called to live in his kingdom. How God loves him and he's desperate to have this relationship with him, that he wants to be Lord of his life. And over the next year, I had the joy of seeing this young man come into the kingdom of God. And I can still remember the day that he got baptised, that he gave, you know, that moment all the way from a random phone number in a book that was given because of a conversation. Ultimately, I had so little to do with this. But to see that young man give his life to Jesus, to accept the good news, I look back at those moments and I'm like, it's just beautiful how God broke into his life. So often we disqualify ourselves from God using us. And we say, how can God use me? I love this verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They're just ordinary. They had no formal education. They were unimpressive in the world's eye. I mean, everybody looked at them. They're like, they're unschooled. They are completely ordinary. That's why it was so amazing. They're like, these are just bog standard people. But the truth is, I know that for the majority of people listening to this, that they're just sitting there going, I am completely ordinary. And yes, you probably are completely ordinary. I know that I feel completely ordinary. It is not about our ability. It has never been about our ability. God didn't use Peter and John because of their ability. He used, he used them because of their devotion. They were ordinary, unschooled men. But they'd caught something. Peter is the one that's failed Jesus. You know, you need to come back and think, Peter, yes, he's preached this sermon and yes, he's doing, he's failed Jesus. Three times the cock crowed. Peter, you're gonna fail me. You're gonna fall asleep. You're gonna, Peter did, but he comes back from that place of failure. Not because he's amazing, he's ordinary. 
but because God has filled him, the Holy Spirit has filled him and it's taken him. The problem is so often we disqualify ourselves. My encouragement is do not disqualify yourself. God can use anything. God can use my number in the front page of a Bible. It wasn't me doing something courageous or beautiful. It was just being available. Being devoted means to put him first. Being devoted means to be available. Being devoted means to care about his mission. Being devoted means to care about God's ways. Being devoted means to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Let's never disqualify ourselves. God is the one that qualifies us. So that's the first thing. So often, why don't we do this? Because we disqualify ourselves. And then secondly, because we lack courage. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. It's one key to having courage in the Christian faith. It's there to be with Jesus. It's as simple as that. When we spend time in his presence, he strengthens our soul and he puts courage into our hearts. So often when people go, oh, do you know what, I'm lacking courage. And it's like, the question would be, well, have you been with Jesus? Have you spent time with Jesus? What's Jesus saying to you? During this pandemic, there have been various moments where in this community where I'm like, oh, do you know what, if I'm honest, it's felt overwhelming. It's like, oh, this is, this is, it's, it's hard work. But Jesus has always given me a word at each stage to stand on, to strengthen my resolve. My, my word for this last bit, and I'm kind of not sure whether I should share this, but he was just saying to me, James, I've called you to have irrepressible positivity. I was like, oh, am I always going to feel irrepressible? I can't even say it. Am I always going to feel irrepressibly positive? But that was a word from God that he gave to me to give me courage for this next season. He's called me to irrepressible positivity. I return to that word virtually every day to be like, Lord, what are you calling? Like, give me courage. Give me everything that I need. I love that song, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. They had courage. They didn't disqualify themselves and they had courage. It's there in verse 13. In finishing, I want to talk about moving from comfort to commissioning. Last week, I talked about moving from consuming to contending. But this week, as we think about Jesus's mission, being devoted to Jesus's mission, one of the greatest things that gets in the way is that we just want a comfortable, easy life. The call to comfort is so strong. It's so strong. I was, it's a silly example, but Saturdays for me, sometimes I'm just like, I hit Saturday and I'm a bit done. And me and Jen have these funny conversations because uh, Jen's like, what should we do today? And I'm like, oh, whew, I mean, you know, we could just have a really lazy day. Now, my wife is not that kind of person. She is a mountain climber. So we get to Saturday, day off, and she's like, head to the mountains. And she wants to, she wants to go for it and she wants to go for it. And... Sometimes when I'm just tired and life's busy, I basically want to eat badly, do nothing, veg, and do unhealthy things. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just like. <sighs> the funny thing is, doing the thing, you know, just like, let's go, no, I, do, I do it. And I'm like, I love it. I absolutely love it because it's good for my soul. It's good for my soul. Comfort to commissioning. 
we have been in a place, again, the last 18 months have been a lot about us, a lot about our comfort. And I know it's been difficult because we haven't been able to do stuff. But the danger is we take on this narrative that it's about my comfort, that the Christian life is about me being comfortable, that God cares primarily about my comfort. I don't think he does. I'm really sorry to put it out there. His primary concern is not your comfort. His primary concern is his mission. And we are commissioned from comfort to commission. Comfort says, I can't be bothered. Comfort says, I just want an easy life. Comfort says, leave me alone. Comfort says, bog off. Do you know what I mean? It's like, comfort says community's hard work. Comfort says people are hard work. I'm not going to bother. Comfort says it's just about me and Jesus. That's not true. Comfort says, bless me, but don't ask anything of me. I don't think that's how God's called us to live. He's given us a commission. He's given us this good news. He's given us this proclamation. As we look at this story in Acts 4, I'm so inspired by Peter and John that they haven't got it all together. I know some of their background because I've read about it. But actually, they've been set on fire by the Holy Spirit. God has done a deep work. They've seen this incredible miracle. They've seen the fingerprints of God. And they're like, we will not shut up. We will not shut up. And the the leader's like, how do we get you to shut up? We can't even find anything to punish you enough that you will shut up. And they're like, no, we are never, ever going to shut up talking about the name of Jesus. We will not do it. And you're like, wow. As I read the book of Acts and I see the story of Peter and Paul, I see this hunger and this devotion that I'm not going to stop speaking about Jesus, my saviour and my Lord. It's God use me though I'm ordinary, though I haven't got everything together, that sometimes I'm broken. Do not, I do not want to disqualify myself and I need your courage just to think, to speak of the things of you. You have given me a co-mission and this co-mission is that we partner together with God for the sake of his kingdom. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus commissions his disciples. He says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go wherever I send you, go and make disciples, make disciples, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Like I did, like I got the opportunity to see with that young guy that came to know the Lord, baptize them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Commission says, go and make disciples. Commission says, go and tell people about me. Commission says, teach them to obey my ways. Oh, it's heart commission is about being abandoned to his mission. Covid's forced us inward, but there is no doubt about that. But today, I just want to remind me, I want to remind you that we have been called to Jesus's mission and that we've been commissioned. And it's moving from comfort, which is, leave me alone, I'm over here, to God, what are the things that you've got? Lord, I want to go on this adventure and I want to see where you're moving. And if we are available, God is always speaking. He's always moving and he wants us to bless what he is doing. It's a, it's a big mission, but it's beautiful and it's worth giving our life for. So in finishing, I'm just going to pray. And I want to pray this. Jesus, use me for your kingdom. So would you pray that with me? Jesus, I want to pray that you would use me for your kingdom. You are the king. And I just want to work on your behalf 
to do the things that you've called me to do. Let nothing get in the way. Let nothing disqualify me. Let comfort not get in the way. Speak to me. I want to be like Peter and John. In Jesus' name, amen.